Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Let us give thanks and praise to God. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you have given us your word and that your word has power. Your word has power in our lives. And so on this Easter Sunday, we come to you with this magnificent passage. And we remember who you are and what you have done. And we ask that you bless us this time as we open our hearts and minds to receive from you this message. As we humbly receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is Easter Sunday. This is the end of Holy Week. It started last Sunday with Palm Sunday, Jesus riding in on the donkey, and the people waving the palm branches and, and shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, King. Jesus, Hosanna to the King. Though Jesus is the King of Kings, He is not the kind of King that they thought Him to be. He was not to rule over the earth. Or I'm sorry, he's not to rule on the earth, but to rule over the earth. As Colossians 1, 18 tells us, and he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Yet just as quickly as they lifted him up to be king, a few days later on Good Friday, they turned on him and they cried out to Pilate, crucify him, Crucify him. And Pilate gave in to the will of the people and ordered Jesus to be crucified. While it is the sad event and the thought that Jesus was sacrificed for us, it was not unforeseen. This was God's plan for redeeming his people. What seemed like a victory to Satan, his death on Good Friday, was actually a victory for Christ, his resurrection on Easter Sunday. So this morning, as we think about Easter, I want us to understand this very thought that Jesus' victory is our victory. Now, if you think about it, you know that there are many wonderful, faithful examples in the Bible of people who have been faithful in living for God, and they encourage us in their, in their living. And as we look at the scriptures, in fact, one passage particular in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, 
It is known as the faith chapter. And you see action after action of faith, of people being faithful to God. And we have this as a great example for us. We might call them the heroes of the faith. People like Abel and Enoch and Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph and Moses. But I want to add another name to that list this morning. I want to add the name Mary Magdalene. This morning our scripture starts out with these words of Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. So let's talk about Mary Magdalene for a moment. Who is she and why should she be considered a hero of the faith? Well, Mary Magdalene is one who traveled with Jesus as one of his followers. She is the one who Jesus drove out seven demons. And because of this, she began to follow him and believe in him. She is the one who called Jesus her Savior and Lord as faithfully as anyone. She is mentioned by name 12 times in the four Gospels, more than most of the disciples and more than any other non-family woman. We will see that she becomes the first to testify of Jesus' resurrection. And I believe that this shows that she is one of the heroes of the faith. But even more, while the disciples were hiding away, which we're going to talk about later in the sermon, Mary Magdalene chooses to go visit the tomb. I would imagine that she might have experienced some fear as she was walking towards the tomb, thinking about all the Roman soldiers that were guarding the tomb. But her faith was greater than her fear. Her desire to continue to be seen as a Christ follower was greater than any condemnation she might receive from others. So she comes to the tomb to look at the tomb, maybe to have some closure for her grief. We can learn much from Mary Magdalene. She is to be considered one of the heroes of the faith because of her steadfast faith in Christ, even in the midst of his arrest and crucifixion. She was one of the few who was at the cross as a witness to Jesus' death. You and I can be heroes of the faith when we faithfully walk with Jesus in the good and the bad, in the up and the down times of life, in the times when things are calm and in times when things have much confusion and when there's much fear like we're experiencing in our world right now. We can be an example of faith and faithfulness to others. We need to be that example. We're next told that as she approached the tomb with the other Mary, an angel comes down from heaven and rolls back the stone. When they get close, they're surprised. First, they're surprised because the legion of Roman soldiers are passed out. It looks like they are dead at the sight of the angel. Second, they see an angel whose appearance was, as we are told, like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. Verses 5 to 7 tell us, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. 
The angel gives important instructions. First, he says, don't be afraid. The angel knows that if he scared the, the Roman soldiers in the way he did, then the women might be pretty afraid as well. But the angel gives comfort to the women. Not only because his presence is so magnificent, but because of the experience they're having that morning as they're coming to the tomb, a little unsettled. But even more, the, the angel knows that when they get to the tomb and they see the tomb is empty, they're going to have some fear at that as well. So the angel assures them that Jesus has risen from the dead, just as he had talked about several times while he was alive. And the women are instructed to go to Galilee, and there they will see Jesus. And they're to tell the disciples about all of this. We have similar instructions. We are not to be afraid. We are to seek after Jesus. We are to tell others about the resurrection. We need to hear this, believe this, and do this. This is one of the keys to Easter that we hear this message time and time again, and hopefully we get to that place where we believe it so much, we're encouraged by it so much, and we are sure of it so much that we want to tell others that Jesus is alive. He has been raised from the dead. So any fear that they might have at coming to the tomb or meeting up with the soldiers or at Jesus' death is now overshadowed by joy, we're told. Listen to Matthew 28, 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Why were they running? They were running because they were excited at this message. They were excited at what they had seen. They were excited that what Jesus had said had come true. They were filled with joy because they had seen that Jesus indeed was risen from the dead. They're filled with joy because they're going to see Jesus again. They're filled with joy because they have a great message to share. Yet we are told that they still had some fear as they went on their way. But as they are going along, they encounter Jesus. Verses 9 to 10. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Once more, Jesus addresses their fear. Do not be afraid, he tells them. Do not be afraid, he tells us. Rather, be filled with joy. Why? Because you know Jesus. And you can see Jesus in and through your life. And you have this great message to tell that Jesus is alive and has paid the penalty for your sins and my sins. And through this, we have eternal life. Every day, there is more fear around us. Because every day, we hear more people who are infected with the COVID-19 virus. And every day, we hear the death numbers increase. And every day, we see the panic of so many and many of you know someone who has either gotten or died from the coronavirus. And when this happens around us, it brings it close to home and creates fear. But we can learn much from the Easter story. 
On the one side, we have Mary Magdalene, who lets her faith overcome her fear, to step out and to seek Jesus and to be a witness for Jesus. And on the other side, we have the disciples who were trained to be witnesses, who Jesus was lifting up to carry out his movement that he had started. But the disciples have a very different response. We read in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. The disciples let their fear lead them to huddle together and be behind locked doors. However, we see a similar happening with the disciples that we saw with Mary Magdalene. As we read on further in John chapter 20, Jesus came and stood among the disciples and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Are these words that you need to hear today? Peace be with you. Jesus says it twice. I am sending you, he says, which gives us meaning and purpose. These are words that we indeed need to hear, and which Jesus speaks to us today. Peace be with you. Let that sink in. The peace that transcends all understanding, given to us by God, as we're told in Philippians 4, 7. And then he says, I am sending you. Well, we aren't physically able to gather with others, except for maybe some of our family. We are still sent. We're still to go in whatever way we can to tell people about Jesus, that Jesus is real, that he gives us salvation, that he has prepared a place for us to be with him in heaven. See, one of the keys here is that Mary Magdalene and the disciples have seen Jesus. In seeing Jesus, we're told in verse 20, they were overjoyed. As Mary Magdalene had her fear turned into joy, so now the disciples have their fear turned into joy. And in both cases, it was because they saw Jesus. One of the challenges of this time of isolation is that we don't get to see others. One of the biggest challenges for me in this time is that I can't be with you. I can't physically be there to, to encourage you or to offer you some comfort or to lift you up in prayer, to lay hands on you and, and encourage you through, through that time of prayer. So I make phone calls or send emails and, and I hope that that can be encouraging in some ways. But it's a challenge when we can't be together. I've been blessed in these times when I get to come to church to record my sermons or maybe play in the band, and I get to see a few people other than my family. I get to, to go out of my house and, and get to have some normalcy to my life, if you will. And I know that as I've seen others in the sanctuary, the few that get to gather from week to week, they have said the same thing, how wonderful it is to gather together and to see people and to, and to worship together in this time that we are preparing the worship for you. 
And in doing this, and being together, and worshiping, and, and lifting up this service, we see Jesus, and we are overjoyed. We need to see Jesus, because when we see Jesus, our fear is turned into faith. Our doubt is turned into belief. Our concern is turned to calm. Our anxiety is turned into peace. So let's turn our thoughts for a moment on how we can see Jesus when Jesus is not physically present as he was after the resurrection. One way I see Jesus is in those times when I am in meditation. It is powerful for me to close my eyes and imagine Jesus coming, walking up to me, sitting down in front of me, and talking with me. I feel his profound presence in those times. I hear his deep words. I am encouraged and lifted up and overjoyed in these experiences because I feel Jesus' presence and I feel like I can see Jesus. I encourage you to do this yourself, to find some time to be quiet and to meditate and to think about Jesus being present there with you. Think about seeing Jesus. If you would like me to help you learn how to do that, I would love to do that for you. But another way we see Jesus is in the miracles he does around us. It might be the miracle of physical healing. Maybe you have experienced uh, healing yourself or maybe others around you, a loved one, a family member, a friend who has been healed by Jesus. And in this healing, we see the presence of Jesus and we're overjoyed. It might be the miracle of someone becoming a Christian, accepting Jesus as their Savior and Lord, having our life changed, transformed, becoming a Christ follower. It is something that is so, so exciting. And we rejoice and we're overjoyed when we see this miracle happen in someone's life. These times bring us great joy and overcome any fear we might experience, replacing it with the joy that the Lord has for us. And you might say, well, pastor, it was easy for Mary Magdalene, it was easy for the disciples because they got to actually physically see Jesus. But let me remind you of this part of the story, the part where Thomas wasn't there when Jesus came to visit the disciples. And when the disciples were telling Thomas about them seeing Jesus, Thomas did not believe it. And so Jesus returns for Thomas's behalf. And he says in John 20, 29, Because you have seen me, Thomas, you have believed now. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Do you hear those words? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Those who have not seen Jesus physically, but still believe because they've seen Jesus in other ways. And so when we open our eyes and we allow God to help us see Jesus, then we will be overjoyed. We will experience great joy. Let me tell you a powerful story that a friend of mine told me uh, just last week. Uh, he's a good friend, he lives in another city, goes to a church, and their church does missions in Africa. And he told me this great story, and I asked him to send it to me, because I thought it was so powerful and perfect for an Easter sermon. And so let me just read 
to you some of the words he wrote down and the experience he had on this missions trip. He says, Mike Summers, a pastor from our Crossroads Church, and I traveled to Burundi in the heart of Africa in January. Burundi is recognized as the poorest country on the planet. The purpose of this trip was to continue Crossroads' work as an international partnering church, helping Burundian pastors advance their vision of creating a healthy church movement across their country. We are working with and supporting local churches to bring lasting changes to their community. Overall, it was a successful trip, and we were very grateful for the prayers of our congregation while we were traveling. We were able to see firsthand what God is doing in and through the churches in Burundi. Something amazing happened when we had an opportunity to go up country in the mountains outside of Bujumbura, the largest city and former capital. I thought I had seen poverty before, but this excursion was an eye-opener. In Bujumbura, a city of roughly 500,000 people, a well-to-do family lives on an income of about $700 annually, less than $2 per day. But in the upcountry, people live on much less than $1 per day. We drove to Gishora, a small village of about 100 kilometers east of Bunjumbura, about a three-hour drive on a narrow, winding road. A drum sanctuary was established there in 1903 to mark the braveness of local residents who provided refuge for the last Burundian king. Thirty or more Burundian drummers mount uh, maintain the historic site and keep the traditional culture of drumming alive. Surrounded by green mountains, the drummers, dressed in green, red and white clothes, the color of Burundi's national flag, they beat drums that are made from tree trunks and covered with cow skin. The drummers depend on people coming to visit and making a donation or buying one of their handmade drums or trinkets. Now my friend, he's a drummer, and he wanted to buy one of the drums. And so he then says, I picked out a small replica of a Burundian drum as a souvenir and asked what the price would be. I was told that the asking price of the one I had picked was 30,000 Burundian francs, or about $15. I gave the leader a folded $100 bill as I shook hands with him. One of our translators, Yves Franck, or Frank, as he has us call him, challenged them by asking what they would do with what they had been given that day. He said they could either waste it or they could use it to do something for the good of their families. He then continued to speak to them in their language, and at one point it seemed as if he was asking them a question, and everyone raised their hand. While we did not understand what they were saying, we knew he was leading them in the sinner's prayer. All 30 of the drummers and about five of their friends who were watching nearby gave their hearts to Jesus. Later, we were able to get the Bibles in their language and have found out that most of them are still attending services at the church plant. Now, as I talked to my friend, I was overjoyed with the story that the result was the gospel was shared. Because of his faithfulness, going with his church, and going to that village and buying a drum and encouraging them in that way, it gave his guide an opportunity to share the gospel where over 30 people gave their lives to Jesus. And in that experience, he saw Jesus 
and was overjoyed. Now I've told you some similar stories when we've gone to Mexico and we've gone to Pastor Ricardo's church in Ensenada. And because of our going there, we provide opportunity for them to have these events where they can share the gospel. And time and time again, we have seen people come to know Jesus. And in that experience, we see Jesus and we are overjoyed. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes would not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the gospel. This is what we are called to share, that because Christ died and was raised to the life, we can have abundant life now and eternal life with God when we die. This is what we are called to be witnesses to this gospel story, as Jesus tells us in Acts 1.8. This is why Jesus came. This is why he died. This is why he was raised to life, so that the penalty of our sin would be paid for and the provision would be made for us. God wants to see this happen through the missionaries we support, through the missions that we do, through our work right here in South Bay. You and I are called to share this truth. We are called to share the gospel. And when the truth is shared, people's lives will be changed. And when people's lives are changed, we will see Jesus. And we will be overflow, overjoyed as followers of Jesus Christ and as a church together. This day should uplift you. It should bring you renewed life. It should bring you hope. It should bring you peace. It should remind you that your life is important, paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ and resurrected by his resurrection. It should remind you that Jesus has paved the way for you to have a meaningful and purposeful and fruitful life, no matter what the circumstances are around you. It should remind you that Jesus' victory is your victory and my victory and the victory for all who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Romans 6.5 tells us, For if you have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Easter is about remembering Jesus' resurrection. It is about understanding why Jesus came, died, and let himself be killed for us. It is about the joy that comes from knowing this truth and seeing the resurrection power of God working in and through our lives and in and through our church. Let us pray that we would see Jesus more and more. We would experience his victory. And through all of this, we would be filled with joy. Let us pray.